lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Happy Monday. Thank you for tuning in here today, live and on demand on Blaze TV, radio and podcast. I am Steve Dace, and I'm alongside Todd Erzin and Aaron McIntyre. And if you would like to join us today, let us know what you think about what we think via the stevedace.com inbox. That's steve at stevedace.com. D-E-A-C-E is how to spell the last name. You can like us on Facebook, MeWe, Parlor Gab, and now Getter, G-E-T-T-R. Uh, you can also uh, follow me on Twitter, at Steve Day Show. And if you are looking for clips of the show that you can watch for free and then also be assured they are free of censorship, go to rumble.com slash Steve Day Show. Again, that's rumble.com slash Steve Day Show. We have a jam-packed show here lined up for you today. I'll tell you about it in a minute. But first, you know, you've got a million reasons these days to be stressed out. Ain't that the truth? Okay. Uh, But one of them no longer has to be your male pattern baldness or that receding hairline because the good news is Keeps can help. They offer the same doctor recommended FDA approved hair loss treatment, but they offer the generic versions. So you only pay about half of the cost. You get a great deal and then you get great convenience. It's all done online where you just answer a few easy questions, snap a few pics of your hair, and then a licensed doctor will review your info to recommend the right hair loss treatment for you. And it's shipped directly to your door. So savings with the generic versions, all that convenience, and then even more savings to get you started. Half off your first order when you go to Keeps, K-E-E-P-S, Keeps.com slash grow. Again, half off your first order at Keeps.com slash grow. Quick programming note. Any day now, Aaron's baby is officially due Wednesday. So any day now, we are on a baby alert. When the baby arrives, Aaron will be taking 10 calendar paternity days off of the show. Therefore, so will Todd and I, because we cannot do the show without him, obviously, since he does all of the major production. Um, We will, however... Uh, have new shows for you most of those days depending on what day you know the key phrase there is the calendar day mm-hmm. all right so depending on what day the baby comes it could work out that you never ever get a replay because we have a half dozen specialty themed programs in the can that we have recorded recently for you in anticipation of this event so that we would not leave you hanging for that long all right so you're going to be getting new content depending on the day the baby arrives, either the whole time or most of the time that we are off for Aaron's paternity. So uh, we have you prepared. We're more more prepared than you are anytime they told you to put on that mask, I promise you, okay? This will actually stop the transmission of replayed and mediocre content. (laughs) Unlike your mask. Steve and Todd, by the way, thank you so much for the extra time of of coming in here just for... For uh, recording those extra shows as well, that was no small time commitment. So I think uh, these guys deserve a big uh, helmet sticker as well. Oh, that's very kind. But uh, it's not every day you get to be a dad, especially for the first time. And both of us kind of know how cool the gig is. So it was absolutely the least we could do. All right. So just keep that in mind. That could happen at any point in time now, any day in the next several days or week. All right. Secondly... Because of that, 
Next hour for our Monday town hall, we're not going to do what we typically do. Because after today, I don't have a guarantee when I will be live on the air again. I mean, I, I could be back here tomorrow. I could be here the whole week, but we don't really know, right? Call could come in at any point, okay? And the world could change a lot it in could. the next 15 days. It, it, it very well could, okay? So next hour, I'm going to empty the tank on, just in case this is the last live show we do for a while because Monday's second hour is really the only time during the week I have an entire hour that I could do that where there's not something else going on with the show, okay? So just in case it doesn't, you know, the baby comes and we're off, there's some things I need to say to you. Um, and one of them, frankly, is an apology. So there's some things I need to say to all of you that are listening and watching this show. And I don't have, you know, my normal listicle or um, I don't have a huge outline or anything for you. I've got a, a list of things I want to address. and I'm going to get to them as much as I possibly can next hour on several different topics. But I just want to clear the air about a very, on, an inti- on a very intimate level what I think is going on and what I am and am not concerned about. Fair? Yeah. And then, of course, um, you guys know a little bit of what's coming, but not all of it. So, because I also don't know really all of it yet. Um, So, of course, interject away when we get into this next hour. I can't wait because one of the great things about working here is I feel we empty the tank just about every day. So, I I really want to know what this looks like. This is me emptying, emptying my emotional tank. Okay, stuff I just have been kind of carrying around. And uh, my wife and other people are getting on me about the anxiety thing recently. So um, I'm, I'm just going to. I'm just going to let it out. Okay, cool. And if if we haven't built up enough trust with one another yet, then your friends are with you, Aragorn. You, so I, I, I just need to say some things to all of you that are a part of this show on the off chance that at any moment. This might be the last time we talk live together for almost two weeks. Okay. So I'm going to do that. The bottom of the hour, we'll have the return of our good friend, Bob Vanderplotz from the Family Leader. But before we get to all of that, of course, we must begin with Aaron's rundown of what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away brought to you in its entirety by Senator Rand Paul. It's time for us to resist. They can't arrest all of us. They can't keep all of your kids home from school. They can't keep every government building closed, although I've got a long list of ones they might keep closed or might ought to keep closed. We don't have to accept the mandates, lockdowns, and harmful policies of the petty tyrants and bureaucrats. We can simply say no, not again. Nancy Pelosi, you will not arrest or stop me or anyone on my staff from doing our jobs. We have either had COVID, had the vaccine, or been offered the vaccine. We will make our own health choices. We will not show you a passport. We will not wear a mask. We will not be forced into random screenings and testings so you can continue your drunk with power reign over the Capitol. President Biden, we will not accept your agency's mandates or your reported moves towards a lockdown. No one should follow the CDC's anti-science mask mandates. And if you want to shut down federal agencies again, some of which aren't even back to work yet, 
I will stop every bill coming through the Senate with an amendment to cut their funding if they don't come back to work in person. Local bureaucrats and union bosses, we will not allow you to do more harm to our children again this year. Children are not at any more risk from COVID than they are from the seasonal flu. Every adult who works in schools has either had the vaccine or had their chance to get vaccinated. There is no reason for mask mandates, part-time schools, or any lockdown measures. Children are falling behind in school and are being harmed physically and psychologically by the tactics that you have used to keep them from the classroom during the last year. We won't allow it again. If a school system attempts to keep children from full-time in-person school, I will hold up every bill with two amendments, one to defund them and another to allow parents the choice of where the money goes for their child's education. Do I sound fed up to you? That's because I am. I'm not a career politician. I practiced medicine for 33 years. I graduated from Duke Medical School. I've worked in emergency rooms. I've studied immunology and virology, and I ultimately chose to become an eye surgeon. I've been telling everyone for a year now that Dr. Fauci and other public health bureaucrats were not following the science, and I've been proven right time and time again. But I'm not the only one who is fed up. I can't go anywhere these days without people coming up and thanking me for standing up for them, whether I'm at work or at events in Kentucky, at airports, in restaurants, or in stores. People thank me for taking a stand. They thank me for standing up for actual science, for standing up for freedom, for standing against mandates, lockdowns, and bureaucratic power grabs. I think the tide is turning as more and more people are willing to stand up. I see stories from across the country of parents standing up to the unions and school boards. I see brave moms standing up and saying, my kids need to go back to school in person. I see members of Congress refusing to comply with petty tyrant Pelosi. We are at a moment of truth and a crossroads. Will we allow these people to use fear and propaganda to do further harm to our society, economy, and children? Or will we stand together and say, absolutely not, not this time, I choose freedom. That is one of the most presidential calls to action, challenges from an encouraging but yet convicting standpoint towards the American people I have seen in my career and and maybe given the stakes of what we're playing for right now. Can I breathe? Uh, can my child be muzzled? Can a corporation force me to inject a substance into my body? Let alone can government do it. On a granular level, this is the most threatened an individual Americans' freedoms and liberties have been, I believe, since Pearl Harbor. I said that last year, that we were looking at a cultural Pearl Harbor here. These are things that even in societies that have not been free as ours, 
humans have been able to take for granted in history. And for the first time in history, despite so much more technological advancement, so much more knowledge about how your health and your body works and does not, and the miracle that is our Constitution, we cannot sit here today. Let's assume Aaron's baby arrives tonight. We don't do another live program until August, what would that be, the 19th or the 20th? Yep. On the current trajectory we're on, can we sit here and guarantee it? That'll be the week kids are going back to school. Can we sit here and guarantee that when we can't, we come back, we're still going to be able to take those things for granted? No. No, we can't. I want to applaud Rand Paul for using his platform for that. Knowing that it risked banishment from every single social media platform that is actually utilized by his constituents in mass. And also understanding here that There's a lot more at stake here than political calculations, endless social media posts I see about, boy, the blowback against Democrats in the midterms next year. So, so Bill Cassidy can be the can run some you know the Health and Human Services Committee in the Senate for you, you know the Republican from Louisiana that over the weekend went on CNN. Just went Tokyo Rose. Went on CNN to condemn Ron DeSantis. That's flat out Tokyo Rose level treachery. He ought to be expunged from this party five minutes ago. Instead, we'll just go out and vote for a bunch of Republicans in anger next year and he'll be head of a committee that they won't give to Rand Paul or Ted Cruz, at least not as long as Ditch Cocaine Mitch is in charge. We've got Trump out there talking about saving 100 million lives with his vaccines. That is not even remotely close to true. In fact, here's some breaking news for you. Ready for this? Oklahoma is reporting. Only 40% of Oklahoma fully vaccinated, by the way. Oklahoma is reporting 24% of its hospitalizations in July. We're fully vaccinated people. One out of four. We have Trump out here who's basically thwarting anybody else from running. And hey, I get it to some extent. In a way, he's earned it. He, he won, right? They, they, put, they threw 23 people at him. He beat them all, right? Yeah. Then he won when they threw the whole system at him, right? Right. So, I mean, it's not like he doesn't have some form of standing here. He's in relatively good health. Right. Uh, You know, all three of us didn't vote for him the first time, saw enough to vote for him the second time. And that is that doesn't even count the still overwhelming popularity he has with our base nationwide. So it's not like he doesn't have like any reason to say, hey, you know what, man, this is 
my position here, right? right? We all agree to some extent he got robbed in the last election that they defrauded him and stole the election to some degree, right? And we Just, seem to find more okay. and more about that every day. All right, so that's, a, that's kind of akin to a player. Does a player lose a job, a position because of injury, right? Sure. Okay, there's a big debate about that, okay? And for every time Drew Bledsoe loses a job for injury to a Tom Brady, the guy who comes in next is not as good, right? Right. So it's not like... We're completely, in fact, that's going to be one of the specialty shows we're going to do for you <laughs> when we lay this out uh, on whether or not we're better off with him running or someone else. And we'll give you, can I give a little spoiler alert? You should. For three people who all went into the exercise under the pres- presumption we prefer someone else ran, by the time we got to the end of it and did all the number and ran all the and did all the math and ran all the numbers, we weren't as convinced in our narrative at the end as we were at the no. beginning, were we? No, we weren't. So it's not as if he doesn't have beyond his you know uh, insane ego and endless boasting. It's not as if he doesn't have a legit claim here, right? Dude got eighty million votes and they stole the election from him, right? That I means not like he doesn't have some claim to think, hey, you know that that's kind of mine. I don't necessarily i'm not necessarily offended at that notion at all i'm offended though when your endless boasting gets in the way of my way of life because that narrative that these things are saving 100 million lives that's not true but that's the narrative that they're going to use to demand they get to inject it into you you know what i'm saying yeah i mean if i were if i were pfizer and moderna i'd be because I certainly don't want to be running the Israel data if I'm Pfizer right now. I know that. Okay. I'm not showing the Israel data. Am I, that's not showing up at my next stock uh, investor uh, portfolio uh, meeting. We're not including the Israel data in there, or at least not from the last couple of weeks anyway. Cases in Israel have gone up over 960% from July 6th to August 6th. 960%. 63% fully, fully vaccinated. But I would be running that quote from Trump. Absolutely, we should be mandating this everywhere. It's it, the guy who started the operation says we saved 100 million lives. That narrative's going to kill us. So it's not about whether he runs again or not. It's about um, it's our way of life is at stake. If you're going to do it, run for us, not for you, right? Yeah. That's the part that's offensive. That narrative will kill us. Because right now, it, I, folks, it will take what Rand is calling us to an extraordinary level of civil disobedience, the likes of which we've never seen in our country before. Not on a mass level, we haven't. Not even within the 13 colonies. There was still plenty of dissent about whether it was worth it to go after, to fight their own native crown, their own native land, were they Englishmen or not. They weren't even for sure on that. What Rand is basically saying is, we're going to have to take the civil rights movement that ended the Jim Crow South, but do that nationally. I, I can't think of a, of a larger, and he's right, by the way, he's absolutely correct, that's what it will take. There's over a million more people collecting unemployment right now than there are, um, or I'm sorry, there's over a million more jobs than there are people willing to work them because they're collecting unemployment instead. We're going to have to bandy together with coworkers. No, you're not going to enforce this on us and we'll all quit. You can't, you need jobs. You can't, you, you get to replace 50 people, 
20 nurses, 50 cops. That's what it's going to take. Basically, we're talking about what they did for several years to, to end during the civil rights movement. From Brown versus Board of Education to the Civil Rights Act, the Voting Rights Act of 1965. So we're talking a decade. More than a decade. That's what it took to end the Jim Crow South. What Rand is suggesting is we have to do that nationally to stop this. He's right. He's right. We'll be lucky by the time we get to the 2024 election if we're not either all forcibly jabbed or political prisoners. And I'm, that's not hyperbole at all. Well, let me ask, do you guys think that's hyperbole? No. Nope. At the descent that we're going? Yeah, yeah. I, don't, I don't think that it is. So we need, we need the president here to lend his resounding voice to the narrative that helps us to push back against this not his voice to the narrative that they will then use against us as we try. We need Cruz, DeSantis, think of anybody. All of our people that you can rely on, that you think you can. My buddy Chip Roy has been using this language for the last week. Like we need the entire House Freedom Caucus. They need to use, see, we used to be able to rely on our pulpits for this. It was the pulpits that were ablaze in the South within the black church that gave them the moral and spiritual courage of conviction to finally defeat Jim Crow. It was the pulpits that were ablaze in the 13 colonies that did the same to defeat the Mad King George. Unfortunately, we don't have that right now. I mean, on Friday, we were lamenting in hindsight, maybe it would have been best to keep all the churches closed and then let that sort of be our Gideon litmus test to see yeah. who laps up the water here and is really really down to fight, really down to clown. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. By having by going ahead and fighting so hard to make it easy for the churches to reopen, we ended up kind of making a lot of pastors who are not worthy of the times in which we live feel safe and secure in their pulpits, right? Yep. Yeah. So collectively, we're just not going to get that level of encouragement from our churches, unfortunately. There will be some. I, I hear from numerous pastors across the country. There's always the 7,000 men in Israel who have not taken the knee yet to Baal. Amen? Amen. Amen. But collectively, on an institutional level, we're not going to get that from the church like they got in the South, post-Brown versus Board of Education, like they got in the 13 colonies. We're not, unfortunately. But on an institutional level... We could be getting that from Ted Cruz and Jim Jordan and Ron DeSantis, Kim Reynolds. These are all people we like that have earned our support on some level. Fair? Yeah. We could really use them, therefore, to, to utilize the platforms we've given them in support of them to echo this message because this is what it's going to take. This is what it's going to take. Now, here's the good news. The good news is social media allows us, you know, it, it took years to coordinate the kind of church network that they needed in the South and the civil rights movement. 
It took years to come up with a narrative and a message that all the colonials were, that all the framers and founders could originally get united on as a launching point for liberty. We can do what it took in years through committees of correspondence in the past. We can do that in days now because of the communication methods we have. What we need are those who have large brands and platforms that would unite us fast. People that have titles like former president, U.S. senator, governor, those kinds of that, those terms, those titles come with substantial letterhead and massive, massive platforms. We need them to be calling us to action. Not sit around right now and saying, hey, you know, I, I don't want to look like I'm following Rand. I might, no, I, we don't have time for that. We just don't. I would say that to Ron and to Ted about they want to do future calculations, just like I said to Trump. We don't have that time. We don't. We lost 400,000 elementary kids last year. Did you see that? Yeah. 400,000. Most of them black, by the way. 400,000 elementary kids just out of the system, and we're not sure on an educational basis where they're at or how to account for them. 400,000. We only have one city in our entire state that has that population base, and it's this one. Just imagine we got up one day and like Des Moines was like 28 days later, gone, emptied. Wouldn't they be creepy, wouldn't it? That's what's happened in the last year to our kids. And now consider that that might not be a glitch, but a feature. Indeed. Indeed. I, I pray that we get to sit around and have our, our primary urination contest here in a couple of years. I pray that I, that I again offend you because I didn't love your pet primary candidate as much as you did, or I love the one you don't love and that you'll never listen again. Gosh, I, those shows used to give me so much stress. I would, I would beg our creator to let me have the privilege of doing them again. Wouldn't it be great to have the luxury of those sort of incestuous little fights once more in 2024. I would love to do that, wouldn't you? Right. Can't sit here today, though, in 2021 and guarantee that we're going to get there. And, and, And our best shot is if everybody else that has shown a willingness to represent us against the system, even in their own way, adopt the posture and the leadership that Rand Paul showed right there. That is the message that is needed. And that is the effort that will be required. Gentlemen, do you have thoughts? You know, off the air on Friday, I asked you if, if where all of this renewed vigor, I mean, it's like we're back in March of 2020, April of 2020 again, with all of the panic porn and all of the breathlessness from the uh, talking heads on television. Where do you think this is all coming from is this just because they have nothing else they meaning the democrats have nothing else to do they can't really get anything done except for a bipartisan infrastructure bill they can't really do anything else on the agenda that they ran on so they're just going full COVID tyranny and just for for political purposes and i believe you said to me yes and i said that's kind of encouraging then i was thinking about that over the weekend what that's really saying is whether or not we get to forcibly inject you with an experimental vaccine is now just a political bargaining chip. 
That's a far cry from the uh, urination contest that you just mentioned of, do I like my guy better than yours, or do you like your guys better? That's a far cry from that. That's a far cry from any of the now trivial things that seemed so important just five, ten years ago. That's how far down the rabbit hole we've come in just one year, guys. If you think this is hyperbole about what Steve is talking about, by what we could be seeing by the year 2024, take a look where we've been in just the last year. I said in March of last year, I don't understand. I still don't understand how an eschatological view could see one man taking over the world. Three months later, I could totally see that. Now we're a year later, a year further down the rabbit hole. What'll the next year have in store if we don't stand up? If we don't demand that those who say they represent us stand up and just say no, putting an end to this nonsense. Really quick, to the extent that people are actually aware of what Trump said about the vaccine, how many points, if a poll was taken today, do you think he did or did not lose or gain because of that one statement? None. That's bad. (laughs) Okay. None would be my answer. You better, America. We'll come back and welcome back our good friend Bob Vanderplatz from The Family Leader. He'll join us here in just a few minutes. Stay tuned. So how much equity do you have in your home? Well, don't find out the hard way, like when you go to access it and it's gone, because cybercrime experts are alerting homeowners, especially right now with home values skyrocketing again. That creates a greater chance that criminals, both foreign and domestic, will come after you with what's called home title theft. That's why you want to check out our friends at Home Title Lock. All they do is help protect you from this crime. Here's how it goes down. First, cyber thieves search hundreds of public databases for high equity homes. Next, they may pull your home's title, forging your signature, stating you sold your home to them. You may ask, well, how would they get access to your home's title online? Well, um, maybe there was a data breach, you know, like what just happened at Facebook. So now they know what is your password question? What elementary school did I attend? What's my mother's maiden name, right? Who's my favorite team? Those sorts of things. They now maybe can't steal your identity, but they can use your identity to log in as you make it look like you've sold your home to them via a quit claim deed. And before you know it, your equity is gone. And often you won't find out about it until the bad stuff begins to happen. Make sure that doesn't happen to you. Go to our friends at Home Title Lock. Right now, they're offering a complete title history of your home. Normally, that's 100 bucks. They're offering it to you for free just to make sure your home's title is still in the clear. Check that out right now at HomeTitleLock.com. Again, that's HomeTitleLock.com. Let's bring in our good friend, Bob Vanderplotz from The Family Leader. Good to see you, brother. How are you? I'm doing really well. I'm assuming you guys all miss me. It's been a couple of weeks. Where you been? <laughs> I thought you were going to say, were you gone? <laughs> well, we've been all over the place. Uh, obviously, you know about the Leadership Summit, but then also Wisconsin speaking at their lead uh, with their Youth Academy. So God's blessing the ministry like crazy. God's blessing the travels. Uh, but I'm glad to be back with you guys. One of the things that, and this will be a familiar conversation for you because it is one that you and I have had live on the air in some way, shape, or form numerous times for as long as we have known each other, all right? 
But I think it's really coming to a head right now because there is a granular level of debate, I believe. Does my kid have the right to not be choked out? Do I have a right to breathe? Do I have any bodily autonomy at all? Or can a corporation mandate that I inject myself with a substance that right now in Israel is failing in real time? At least it, it certainly is on a transmission level. Oklahoma announced today one out of four of its hospitalizations are fully vaccinated people in a state where only 40% are vaccinated. So can a corporation mandate that they can inject this into me before I come back to work there or shop there, right? These are some real granular, this is going to impact everybody's life debate. And let's face it, a lot of times the debates and issues we care about on shows like this really don't hit the average American at that level, right? Mm. Like, like the infrastructure bill the, and all the debate about that and, the, and, and, and all the debt and everything else, that matters, but we've had so much debt, so much... The average American just cannot relate to these kinds of numbers, right? But this, this, do I have to muzzle my kid? That's something we can it, all relate to. It just to. got personal. Yes. And I would argue this is really the first time on a, on a macro level as a country... That unless you, um, there have been other times, if you were black and lived in the Jim Crow South, this was pretty personal to you, right? But if you were white in Ohio, was it personal to you? Hmm. No, okay? On a macro level, meaning regardless of socioeconomic status, how you vote, if you vote at all, religion, period. This is the most granular threat to the average American's liberty, I would argue, since the Japs bombed Pearl Harbor. And now you're looking at a really uncertain future, right? Because we're in a war for the heart of civilization at that point. Okay. So with that said, Bob, I I think we need to have a different calculus in how we're evaluating our politicians. Meaning we just right now don't have the luxury of what are your 2024 prospects or what's what's best for your ambitions or let's do the inside baseball stuff from the Politico playbook. Can you win? Yeah, yeah. That that right now I I can't I, I just said a few minutes ago. Brother, I hope we get to that primary cycle and I alienate a whole bunch of people again and we have all those same urination contests again. You're laughing, but remember how stressful all that used to be? Wouldn't you love the luxury of enduring that again? Sure, love right, to. Right now, can we say for sure we're going to get there? No. No, we can't. So I think that means, in light of the video Rand Paul put out over the weekend, call to action, call to civil disobedience, calls to resistance. I think we've got to reevaluate things. I I talked last segment. I understand why Trump believes he has a claim on the nomination. I even think it's a somewhat legit claim. He they threw twenty three guys at him. He beat them all. Right. He beat he beat Hillary when no one said he could. Uh, I think I think they absolutely stole the last election from him. So I understand why. Hey, I'm in good health. That belongs to me. Like in football, does a player lose his job for injury? I can understand why he thinks that. But if he's if he's going to hold the whole system hostage while we wait for his word, can he do things you know other than claim he saved a hundred million lives with a vaccine that they're currently trying to threaten all of our way of life with? Right. Um, similarly, we've got Republican governors in Oklahoma now uh, being told that the federal courts say you can't stop unemployment insurance. For people, Ron DeSantis was just told by a federal judge earlier today, you can't ban faxing passports on businesses in your state. That I, I think, and hey, man, there's been times this show has basically been um, the Ron Ron DeSantis Daily with Steve Todd and Aaron. Okay, <laughs> but but the reality is that 
he cannot come out there and say, oh, I mean, the courts have spoken. We don't have time for this. None of them do. We're literally out here fighting for our way of life. My inbox is full of people. I don't know if I can go to work on Monday because of what they're trying to do to me. You know, we lost, there's a study out that shows we lost 400,000 kids last year, slipped through the system nationwide because of all the lockdowns and everything else. Most of them black. We just don't have time for the process of politics. We need more of Rand Paul's uh, give them hell, basically. Your thoughts? Well, it goes back to some of the fundamentals. And first of all, I want to bring up a phrase that you coined on, I think, of your show, WHL Radio, before you came on to Blaze TV. And it was, you will be made to care. Meaning... Actually, Eric Erickson coined that, but I appreciate well, it. Yes. Okay, but I'll, yeah. I'll give it to you. Cause you're the first one I heard when you said, you will be made to care. Because a lot of the, the stuff we look at distant, right? Mm-hmm. The religious liberty issue, uh, that's... Bernal I don't own a bake shop. Yeah. I don't own a floor. I know it's wrong, but it, it's not me. I, yes. I see it, but it's still distant. Mm-hmm. But now this got awfully personal. I mean, if I want to fly, I need a vaccine passport. I mean, if I want to hold a job, I need to get vaccinated. And people, if you want to get vaccinated, I believe that's your call. I mean, get the best information you can, but that's your decision. A government should not be mandating that on you. And so what you're saying now is that your personal liberty, your personal freedom is threatening your way of life and how you do business in the United States, how you live in the United States. And what we learned a long time ago, 2010, does a court really get to decide? Is the far, final arbitrator the court? Is that who the Constitution gives the final power to? And we argued then and we argue now, absolutely not. It's to we the people. And so we the people, that's what I think what uh, Rand Paul's saying. You guys need to let your voices be heard. There's a time where you say, this is all I can stand, can stand it no more. The system is not working for me. I think that's where you're at. And it's where a lot of your people who are filling up your inbox are at. So we hear from a lot of our base right now where they're at. Before you were here, I, I said we need, and I, I gave specific names. Some people, some of them like Ted Cruz, are friends of mine. Some of them are people I admire for what, how they've handled their business so far, like Ron DeSantis. Um, some of them are people I've actively voted for, like Donald Trump in the last election. But, but right now, what we, what we need are all these people that we've granted a platform to via our votes, support, uh, prayers, uh, you know, donations, etc. We need them to be, I think, joining Rand Paul's message. In that, because I think it's this level, I, the answer is us, that's been our theme on the show this year. But there's those people can reach so many more people than a show like this can reach. So many more people than even a Mark Levin or Glenn Beck can reach. The, uh, the amount of, you know, cachet, credibility that comes with the title, Mr. President, Senator, Congressman, Governor, governor. our own governor, who's been fantastic. We need, frankly, her to lend her platform to this. That our people need, uh, we used to get this from the church. In the black community, in the post, you know, Brown versus Board of Education, it was their churches that led the way. In the colonial, in colonial America, it was the churches that led the way there. Unfortunately, institutionally, the church in America on an institutional level sure. just isn't equipped to do that any longer. But those people, some of whom I just named, they are. And they and 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 right now you can worry about am I piggybacking off of Rand Paul and what do my consultants say? I pray you'll have that dilemma to face here in 2024. But for right now, we need to stop this right now. Like this has to be a galvanizing moment right now. 
It's what you're basically saying. You're saying that the people who are watching this program, the people that, that tune into you on a daily basis or are part of our base, saying, let your voice be heard mm-hmm. and encourage the Ted Cruz's mm-hmm. and encourage the Rand Pauls, the Governor DeSantis, the Governor Reynolds. Let your voice be heard. Shoot, encourage former President Trump mm-hmm. because he's got a big platform today. The media still covers him like crazy, mm-hmm. and he's got all the leverage about will I run in 24 or won't I? But if you're going to run in 24, this would be a time to actually galvanize a base to say this is about our liberty much more than it is about anything else. So CDC says that only 28% of black America is vaccinated. New York City is about to institute a vaccine, or attempt anyway, a vaccine passport system, the first city in America. Uh, more than a quarter of well, that Well, they've popu- been ahead of us on everything, and it's turned out really well Yes. For them. Uh, more than a quarter of the population of New York City is black. It's 26%. So, I mean, we're talking about like real Jim Crow level stuff here, right? I think this, this, this is, you know, there's been so many arguments over the years how do you grow the Republican Party? And I used to get into that. I'm not even a Republican anymore, so I don't really care. But it would just seem to me if there was ever a moment where you could get beyond the normal racial barriers with your message. When we're talking about saying to one quarter, uh, a substantial amount of one quarter of New York City's population, we're going to send you back to Mississippi burning if you don't get these jabs. I, I can't imagine there was ever be a better time for our people to once and for all show, hey, you know what? We're going to stand up in solidarity for God-given rights, whether there are people that have voted for us or not, who have called us all a bunch of racist in the past or not. This would seem to me to be that moment. And the question still becomes, too, even on the vaccination status, about how does my life change then? You have the CDC coming out now saying— you guys still need to be masked when you go indoors. You still need to be. Exactly. So it's all these types of things. And I think what it is, it's the threat to the liberty. Again, I'm not a pro-vaccination guy. I'm not an anti-vaccination guy. But I'm saying, guys, digest the best information and make the best rational choice for your health care. And you, you get to decide that. The thing is that the mandates are not because it's a threat on everybody's liberty, everybody's freedom when that starts happening. So, um, yeah, I think let your voices be heard. Encourage your politicians to let their, their voices be heard. I think you look at Governor Reynolds here in the state of Iowa. You know, it's funny. I was at a, I went to our comedy club here in town for the first time in like 20 years. Uh-huh. And the Preacher Lawson guy there who was the finalist on America's Got Talent a couple of years ago, that's why we went because we loved him. He was great. His mom was his opening act. His mom was, <laughs> all right? And his mom made a little crack that just, I laughed about the whole rest of the night. She goes, you know, in other states, there's actually a pandemic going on. Yeah. All right. Yeah, but, but that just shows you how differently we have gotten to live here in Iowa. But that's going to get threatened now, too. But, but I take a look at the people of Iowa, at least the people that represent our base, how they've responded to her leadership. We're going to have in, in class, in person instruction in the state of Iowa. People cheer her on for that. We're going to allow you to make best personal decisions for yourself. If you need to wear a mask, wear a mask. If you don't wear a mask, don't wear a mask. If you're going to get vaccinated, get vaccinated. If you're not, you're not. But what they're going to do is give you the best information, but then treat you like adults. That's what I tell people all the time about the state of Iowa. What has Governor Reynolds done? She has treated us like adults, and we get to make our own decisions for ourselves. I think that should be the case for every American, and they'd be celebrated for it. And I think if the vaccination really was working then, more people would get it versus 
being told to. The mandate, people are automatically going to stiff arm it. If you could get, because you can, I can get an audience with some of these people. You could get an audience with all of them because you haven't alienated as many people as I have, <laughs> all right? So if you could get some of the individuals that we just talked about in a room collectively together about this moment in our history right now, what would you say to them? Empower the people. I mean, the people want to feel empowered because I think everybody, the fear you're seeing in your inbox, mm -hmm. everything's being threatened. My entire way of life is being threatened. Somebody's in control of who I am and what my family is empower the people again. I think where Trump ran his base and ran his base exceptionally deep, that support, it's because he empowered the people. I'm going to be a voice for you. Mm -hmm. So if you're going to take anything from Trump, and this is even to the former president himself, you know, be that voice for the people again. Give them voice. Give them, I'm really being your representative. You've hired me. Now I'm acting like it. You guys have any thoughts on that? Well, Kim Reynolds is because she, a lot of people relate to her as a person. She, she's not overly strident. I think it's that, and she doesn't seem, she hasn't seemed like a politician the last couple of years. She, she's just seemed somebody who genuinely cares about you and fundamentally understands this isn't about her. Right. If we can maintain that going forward, COVID or no COVID, it's not, if we can, we must. Because quite frankly, even before there was a COVID, once you don't know what a bathroom is for anymore and who's supposed yeah. to go in there, we were on this trajectory no matter what, COVID or no COVID. So she can do that. It's not about her. She's here to serve the things that this country was founded upon. We'll have a shot. But that window is just barely ajar. And what Kim Rose has, whatever everyone else has, she has elderly parents. She has kids. She has grandkids. She has a daughter that's a teacher. So she can relate. Like, listen, I've got my grandkids yes. going to school. Listen, I've got a daughter who's teaching in the classroom. Listen, I have elderly parents. Meaning I'm relating to all of Iowa or in essence to all of America. So why wouldn't I want to do what's best? And so what she's doing though is I'm doing what's best by allowing you to be an adult and make common sense decisions here. I think we're at a, a tipping point moment, man. I mean, I, I really do. I think we at, we're at a moment similar to what we thought 9-11 was going to be. But remember, like a week later, all the sporting events and everything were back. And they told us, hey, we'll handle it from here. You guys go shop into Walmart. And we'll, you know, and it never really felt like there was a war on terror, right? Mm -hmm. I, I think that we are really at a tipping point moment of what the rest of the future of this country is going to look like. Bob, good to see you, man. Thank you. Good to see you guys. Good to be back. We'll come back. Hour two coming your way next. And as I warned you. I'm emptying the tank on several different issues. We'll do that when we come back. Welcome back. Hour two underway here on Blaze TV, radio and podcast. I'm Steve Dace. Todd is in here with me, as is Aaron McIntyre. Uh, don't forget... We could be getting the baby call. Stork could arrive any day now. Uh, don't worry. While we're taking 10 calendar days off for Aaron's paternity, um, we're going to have mostly new or all, depending on what day the baby arrives. You're still going to have a ton of new content that we have pre-recorded and pre uh, presented for you coming up during most of that time. So uh, it won't feel like we're away really all that often because a lot of it's also going to be thematic in 
dealing with issues that are currently happening to some extent. All right. But just keep that in mind. That could happen at any point in time. That is why this hour, I'm going to empty the tank here a little bit instead of our normal town hall, because I, I, I'm not guaranteed I got a live show tomorrow. And I've got some things that I, I, I think we need to discuss together. Not just me, Todd and Aaron, but me and all of you guys. Um, I, there's some things I need to say to you that I think we need to discuss before I don't have a live show for 10 calendar days. So we're going to do that here in just a moment. Let us know what you think about what we think via the stevedace.com inbox. You can email the show, steve at stevedace.com. Uh, like us on Facebook, MeWe, Parlor, Gab, and Getter. Follow me on Twitter at Steve Dace Show and get clips of the show censorship free at rumble.com slash Steve Dace Show. And again, the last name is spelled D E A C E. If you're a podcast listener, we appreciate you so much. You were a vital cog. And our show's explosive growth here in the last year plus. Please, if you haven't done so yet, hit the subscribe or follow button, whichever the case may be, on your podcast platform of choice. Leave us a five-star review. And thank you to the many, many thousands of you that have done one or both of those things for us already. This portion of the show brought to you by Built Bar, who doesn't like a good snack throughout the day. But what about one that won't break your will, your discipline, your desire to live more healthy? I've got great news. Built Bar is here to save the day. So many flavors. My Rocky Road arrives today. I cannot wait to try this, by the way. All right. So many flavors, all of them covered in real chocolate. I am a Built Bar fanatic. All right. This is just a phenomenal product. It's the best protein bar you have ever had. It's better than a lot, or as good, if not better, than numerous candy bars. Far more nutritious. You absolutely can't beat it. It's why it was uh, the official sponsor of the U.S. Olympic track and field team in the just concluded Tokyo Olympics. So if you want to try it right now, get 15% off your order with the promo code DACE, D E A C E, promo code DACE, 15% off when you go to built, B U I L T, built.com. Again, that is built.com. So we did a show, uh, I think it was Wednesday, uh, a week ago. Yeah, it was Wednesday, the opening monologue of the show. And I, I think there's, there's tough love. There's negative reinforcement to encourage people to defy you and prove you wrong. And, and then there is being a discourager. And when I, when I left here Wednesday, I, I just didn't feel right about something with Wednesday's show. And I, I couldn't quite put my finger on it. A couple days go by, it's just kind of nagging me still in the back of the head. You know, and I'm like, oh, what was it about that show? Something's just, I don't feel right about it. And I'm, I'm listening to the message at church yesterday. And it hit me what I didn't feel right about it. And it's why I, I rarely do this. I mean, I, Aaron's montage is his fiefdom, right? I mean, I'll every, you know, maybe a couple times a week, I'll send you a link or a clip that I think you should consider putting in there. But maybe since we started doing this a couple of years ago, four or five times ever, mm -hmm. have I said, hey, specifically, we're going to do this, right? It's right. it's very rare. 
Um, I, I mean, I, I, I trust Aaron's creativity more than my own. That's why I delegate that to him. But today I made the decision that we were going to make the entire montage Rand Paul's presentation. Because it's not just for the reasons I talked about already on the program. It's because Rand accomplished and did there what I should have done last Wednesday. I think at other times I've been good about doing. But I allowed my own personal feelings and discouragement to get in the way. I'm overwhelmed with emails right now that are just heartbreaking. Families being divided over this. My elderly parents got vaccinated earlier this year and now they're testing positive and they're having breathing difficulty. They won't treat them with anything. Where do I go? My dad is on his fifth week bedridden. I mean, I, I just, I'm overwhelmed with this. I will also confess to you that while I expected COVID stand to strike back and warn that they would, that we had put them in retreat, but it was not over. We did say that, right? Yes. In the last week plus, it has struck back with a vengeance beyond what I anticipated. And then on a, I'll use the term again, since it's been used several times today already, on a granular level, we had COVID hit the nefarious movie production and had to temporarily halt production. And, you know, I've only been waiting five years for that. Pretty patiently by my standards. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, all these things just kind of hit at once. And I crossed a line on Wednesday. There are so few places where you can go nowadays to get equipped and encouraged to be the answer that fulfills the mantra of our show this year, the answer is us. There's just not enough of them. Too many places still want to play inside baseball or stuff that ultimately doesn't matter right now. And I let my own personal feelings about the situation get in the way and I let you down. And I, I sat there listening to the message at church yesterday. Listening to people's real stories. Cancer, COVID, death, stillborn children. And I listened to their stories yesterday and how any encouraging word at all was like manna from heaven. Was... a keg of fresh water in the desert. And I realized that I crushed you guys. 
and in a semi-spiteful way. It wasn't even really a, yeah, I don't think you guys can do it. Don't think you have it in you. That I was just personally discouraged and allowed that to get in the way of how I presented what I said on Wednesday. And for that, I'm sorry. And I apologize. The last thing we need is another show on the right that doesn't mobilize our people for such a time as this. I was wrong. I'm sorry. I wanted to say that first and foremost before what we're going to talk about the rest of this hour. Because I think, I think to avoid that in the future, maybe I need to be a little bit more transparent at times or willing to trust you in the audience more in discussing my own personal feelings. So my wife's about to get into full-time therapy here in a couple of weeks. I got my mom on me about this, okay, given my age, everything else carrying too much anxiety around, carrying too much negativity around. And I think they're right. And I'm a ain't got time to bleed, stiff upper lip kind of guy, okay? But I think being transparent more on a human level might help me to not fail you again in the future on an encouragement level. So I, I want to spend this hour instead of our normal town hall. I want to I want to share with you, just as personally as I can, not just data and all the typical analysis we do, but for a while I'm not going to be a guy that has been a senior strategist on a presidential campaign. I'm not going to be a guy that has, you know, worked in major media. I'm not going to do any of that. I'm just going to be a guy named Steve. And I want to share some things about where I'm coming from. I, I want to start by laying out kind of on an elevator pitch meta level where I think we are. I think that we have two primary unresolved issues that I think are why we keep circling the COVID drain here. Number one, almost all trust has been lost in public health officials, particularly the figurehead Fauci, except for those among us that belong to one particular political group that is the most prone to rely on government for guidance. Outside of them, trust has been lost everywhere else. And that, that leaves most of the country with no objective place to go to acquire information that everyone agrees can be trusted. The lack of trustworthy objective information has led to a lack of trust in their policy decisions, which we are guessing are based on their information we no longer trust. This has created irrevocable suspicion at this point. I don't see any way for this situation to be redeemed. 
utilizing the same figureheads, experts, etc., that we have been sold for the last year and a half. I, I think that situation's unredeemable. I think too much trust has been lost now. There's too much suspicion now. Belief in good intentions or altruistic motivations that just may have misguided outcomes. I think that has experienced too much erosion now. Second, we, we still don't even agree on what our metric for success is here. Is it cases or is it severity of infections leading to hospitals or death? If it's the latter, there is no justification almost anywhere on earth for continued restrictions of any kind, especially here. At least not on a macro level. On a micro level, if you have a particular community that's having a particularly difficult time with a variant, with a particularly full medical system, I don't know, maybe don't have a Super Bowl there. I think that's fair, right? Sure. Okay. But on a macro level, if it's about the severity of infection, there's no justification almost anywhere on earth for continued restrictions of any kind, especially here. If you look at the data in Israel, it shows the, th the COVID therapeutics, which is what they are. They're not immunizers. They're therapeutics. They are not what was promised. They are not living up to what was in the trial information and data we were given, but they're still holding up to some degree against severe infections. Now, maybe that trend won't be the same here in a couple of weeks. We'll watch. Furthermore, though, even if that's the case, we have so much natural immunity now. We know so much more about treating it now. Our current case fatality rate in the United States is 0.59% before we even stratify for age and comorbidity. So there's, there's no justification. You know, that was the original rationale. The 15 days to, to flatten the curve was to save the hospital system, right? On a macro level, looking at these, at these data points, regardless if, the, if, if in a couple of weeks, if we find out that the COVID therapeutics are not even holding it back on a severity level now, there's still no justification for it based on the data. On a macro level. However, if the metric is cases, regardless of severity, then we're all going to be here, basically some form of Australia and New Zealand. We'll never be fully free of this unless we create the first true immunization of a coronavirus in human history. Zero COVID, as this strategy is sometimes called, this minus a smallpox level inoculation, that is a path to a permanent fascism. Whether that's the original intent they're not, you know, letting a good crisis go to waste or they're just misguided busybodies. It doesn't matter what the intent is. That is the end result. Some form of a permanent fascism. As C.S. Lewis once noted, the worst form of tyrant is the busybody convinced they're doing this to you for your own good so they never stop unless you stop them. Therefore, outside of a true miracle immunization, and I'm talking like a Salkian level event here, Okay. A Jonas Salkian level achievement. I don't see another way out of this aside from massive and unprecedented, at least for our time anyway, pushback. I mean, look what's going on in Europe right now. Look at the mass protest happening there. They had an, Italy had a unique one yesterday where the vaccinated showed up to burn their vaccine passports in solidarity with the unvaccinated. And yet, their politicians, it, it's like these events just don't even go on. They're showing no 
reservation or recompense at all. I'm I'm not sure we're prepared. I'm 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 not sure we're prepared for the level of pushback here. And I think that's why I sounded discouraged last week. To put it bluntly, which I always do, so even more so, I'm worried. I'm worried this is going to take more resolve than even the best of singular speeches at the local school board that we have featured on Daily Defiance. And after several of those, they voted right afterwards, right? And voted to choke your kids right out anyway. We're not going to be able to merely vote our way out of this either. All right, so we'll all just go run, vote Democrats out. That's probably going to happen next year. Republicans will win majorities. So senators like Bill Cassidy, they get key committee assignments from Mitch McConnell and not the Ted Cruz's and Rand Paul's of the world so that they can then go on CNN again like Bill Cassidy did from Louisiana, guys. This isn't isn't a Republican from Massachusetts. He's from Louisiana. And he goes on CNN. American Pravda. The most corrupt news organization in the history of this republic with no close second. And he goes on there and tries to kneecap Ron DeSantis. You know, if this were a hot war, you know what they do to a soldier who did something, gave that kind of comfort to the enemy. But he'll face no recourse in today's Republican Party. Likely he'll have a committee assignment, which again will be a more cherished committee chairmanship after next year's midterms than any of the guys we like will get. We're not going to be able to merely vote our way out of this. We're just not. So to me, I think we're caught in a true catch-22 here. There's no objective place that we could go to to get an all clear. It's all good. Back to life. Like, who would we agree that's the case? So, so Ron DeSantis goes, gets scientists from Stanford, Harvard, Oxford, and Yale, and they say that to the people of Florida, Death Santis will trend on Twitter worldwide tomorrow, right? Yes. Yeah. Anthony Fauci comes out and tells us tomorrow, Lambda variant's the worst one yet. What's our America going to do? Completely dismiss it. It may end up being the worst one yet. We don't know, right? But this goes to the points I'm making. The lack of trust here. Everywhere. I, I don't see a way out. That there's no one, all of America, no entity, all of America agrees is the place, okay, that guy said, that institution, she said, okay, cool, we're good. Nope, doesn't exist. There's nowhere we could go to get an objective all clear. We don't even know, (laughs) we don't even know what the ultimate objective we're trying to clear here is. What is it? Are we trying to keep deaths down? We're trying to save the hospital system. We're just trying to have zero cases. We don't know what it, do you know what it is? I don't know what it is. Do you No. So we're all in this together, but, but the win is in the eye of the beholder. Like, like go back to world war two. The last time I thought that our freedoms on a, 
on a national level were as granularly threatened as they are now. You knew what a win was, right? Yeah. Yeah. When, closer, when, when, yeah. When, when a guy in an iron cross, a swastika, or a red dot on, on a flag shows up and signs unconditional surrender papers, that's when you knew you won, yeah. right? So, so we all knew we were working towards that goal, right? Yes. Okay. Do we know what the win is here? Do you know what it is? I don't know what it is. And it varies street by street, neighborhood by neighborhood. There are, look at our state. It's been as free and open as any state in the union has been. But there are places that we could go here, in, even in our state, where anything less than zero COVID means don't come out of your home ever again. Likewise, there's places you can go in New York where people like our Shannon Joy are trying to turn, you know, like Rochester and Buffalo, New York into Iowa, right? Right. I mean, on a neighborhood zip code, area code level, the metric for what the win is here completely varies. We don't know. So let me stop there and bring you guys into this conversation before I say more. What are your thoughts so far? Well, I think the World War II comparison is apropos because because we knew what victory looked like. It's why the celebrations in the street, you'll remember, it wasn't it was just fairly recently that fantastic um victory photo of the uh Navy uh corpsman and the uh nurse, I mm-hmm. believe, or the woman ki- kissing him. Well, the woman just died fairly recently. But that picture embodied the release an entire nation had. Now, what? It, let's say our side, whatever that is, got that level of victory here tomorrow, whatever whatever that would be. You would have a large portion of people celebrating like that, and right over there, you'd have Antifa lighting up their Molotov cocktails and throwing them at you. This week, very weekend... In fact, you saw this play out in Portland where Christians uh, were singing hymns in a park. Antifa uh, harassed them, bullied them, stole some of their uh, stuff. And then the very next day, a very large throng mm-hmm. of Christians, which was quite encouraging, uh, showed up and said, yeah, no, we're not doing that anymore. But they're, they're, Steve's absolutely right. There, There is a... We aren't all in this together. There is a Thunderdome quality to all of this. Two enter, one leave. We are dealing... The existential threat is inside the walls. It's that unbelievable movie that we watched. I can't remember the name of it. It's about the house uh, that they're stuck in and that the TV speaking to them. Oh, oh, wait for instructions. Wait for instructions. Yeah, yeah. it's a, it's a oh, wait great, further instructions. Yeah, wait yeah. for their instructions. Phenomenal film on Netflix. Well, yeah. And little did we know. I mean, if we went back yeah. and watched that now. We I watched that together as a show pre-COVID and, oh. and broke it down. Yeah. The enemies are inside the gates now. And as men in this nation, there's a call. I was just reading uh, Mark uh, yesterday about uh, what happens if you... Uh, uh, pl- uh, tie up a strongman. That's the only way to plunder a house. Well, when Steve says the church is totally and utterly unequipped 
as you said earlier uh, in on, the a, show, on an institutional level. On an institutional there are level, churches, yeah. 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 But, but that's that's a yo. You just gave an example of one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But on an institutional level, it's it's not. Well, that's that's a very very big problem. It is. <sighs> judge and a federal judge tells Ron DeSantis in Florida that they uh, that their law prohibiting vaccine um, uh, vaccine passports to ride a cruise. Um, yeah, you, you can't do that. Judge tells Oklahoma governor that, you know what, uh, you got to reinstate the federal unemployment benefits again. A judge tells Arkansas that their uh, that their law banning mask mandates. Yeah, you can't do that. I just saw this morning a judge in Austin, Texas, blocked any attempted arrests of the, the Texas Democrat delegation uh, to Washington, D.C., Arrested to, you know, arresting to to get them back into uh, into the state house to do their job. There is even amongst some of the states that have enacted laws, written, passed by duly elected legislatures. There's no cavalry coming. Even even those states are going to have to say no to the judges now. You know, that was something that was really interesting, I thought, last year, is that we didn't really talk a heck of a lot about judicial supremacy last year because there were no challenges. There were no challenges last year. Well, now now the spirit of the age senses, hey, there are, there, there's, some, there's some pushback here in certain pockets of the country. Let's get our jackbooted thugs, some of them Trump appointees, by the way. Let's get our jackbooted thugs to, uh, you know, enact some judicial uh, supremacy here. There is no law at the end of the day, that's going to save you or save me. There's just a lot of us banding together, hopefully in your neighborhood. Hopefully in your neighborhood. Say, just saying no. I would really like to make an analogy from a show that I've... It's my new favorite show, Mysterious Benedict Society, but Steve, you have not seen all of it. Um, but I, it's, it's so appropriate for this time. If you haven't seen it yet, it's safe to watch with kids as well. Uh, go check it out on, on Netflix. But bottom line is, we just got to say no. Just got to say no. It's not even a question. Just got to say no. Awkward ad placement, but I will explain why I'm doing this here when I'm done with it. Uh, let me tell you about our friends over at Rough Greens. We've been talking about them for quite a while now. It is the powder that you sprinkle in over your dog's food. So simple. But you may be wondering, hey, why should I complicate my dog's food? What if they don't like it? Well, first of all, your dog needs a supplement, likely just like a lot of us do. A lot of that good stuff, the pre-probiotics, vitamins, minerals, nutrients, et cetera, uh, that they take and uh, get rid of the food, get out of the food when uh, it's at the factory for mass consumption and mass distribution. That's why we buy so many supplements these days. Same thing's happening to a lot of pet foods as well. And so uh, Rough Greens puts all that good stuff back in. But hey, we understand there's a chance your dog may not like it. So how about we just give you that first bag for free? Okay. The first bag, that 14 day jumpstart bag is on us. Now you're going to pay for the shipping. So you have some skin in the game for a couple of dollars, but the bag itself is for free. When you go to roughgreens.com. R U F F for roughgreens.com. Again, that first bag is free. You just pay a couple bucks for the shipping at roughgreens.com or give them a call at 833 rough dog. That's 833 rough dog. So I put a live read in there because I wanted to make a, a, an inflection point for the audience and an easy edit for Aaron, okay? 
because there's an angle to this we're going to discuss next segment that is an uncomfortable conversation. It's an outcome I don't want to happen, but I think is possible. And I think the only way out of this outcome is if we use the full power of our freedom and our elected officials do the same thing peaceably to avoid us getting to this place. We will discuss that when we come back. It is not easy to avoid doing business with people who hate you, Uh, not with all the business consolidation and everything else out there. So when a clear opportunity presents itself, uh, take advantage of it. Like with our friends at Patriot Mobile, um, almost every night, everything changed with corporate America, didn't it? Remember when it was just greed is good? All they cared about was the bottom line. Now they're in too many places. Open purveyors and promoters of the spirit of the age. Well, Patriot Mobile gives you an option when it comes to your mobile phone because they have the same broad nationwide coverage. They use all the same towers as the major carriers. So you get the same great service and they've got plans to fit any budget. Their 100% US-based customer service team is also rated the highest among all wireless carriers. Most importantly though, they share and support the same values and organizations that you do. They don't give money to causes that undermine us, but that support us. And they offer extra breaks as well for veterans and first responders. If you want to find out more right now about their special discounts for you, how to find and customize a plan for you and your family, uh, go to patriotmobile.com Steve. That's patriotmobile.com Steve, or give them a call at 972-PATRIOT. That's 972-PATRIOT. So, in, in my opinion, there are there's only three ways out of this. Only three ways to avoid circling the COVID stand drain. One, and I'm, and I'm not here to advocate any of these. Well, I, I advocate one in particular, but the other two are gambits. One creates a lot of collateral damage. And it's collateral damage that innocence in the crossfire and our children and grandchildren will pay more than we will. The other, which I'll start with, is a gambit because it still grants their premise for the time being. There's, there's three ways out. Number one. A vaccine that has not made it to market yet, like, say, Novavax later this year, actually proves to offer efficacy and a risk ratio that sells itself. Now, there's good news and bad news with Novavax. Like Moderna, the people making Novavax have also never brought a product to market. 
That's the bad news. The, the good news is this is a more traditional vaccine methodology. It still uses 21st century cutting-edge technology. So it's a, it's a methodology of a traditional vaccine using an inert or benign form of the virus itself. It's just injected into your body via a nanoparticle. But it is not an attempt to trick your body's mRNA or immune system into... It's nothing nearly as invasive in that regard as what we're seeing and have seen from Pfizer, Moderna, etc. Now it's not been given an emergency authorization yet. The EU must think enough of, enough about it that it just made a massive deal with Novavax late last week. That would at least give us that or some other future product that we don't know about right now and that, that comes forward soon could at least give us something that works. See, we've got two problems right now. Aside, aside from the two meta problems on the vaccine front, we have two other problems specific to that. One is the debate of your own bodily autonomy, which we focus on quite a bit, right? The other is, could we get something where the juice is at least worth the squeeze before we even have this argument? You know what I'm saying? I mean, the data in Israel is clear. Our data in our country is becoming clearer. We're a few weeks behind them epidemiologically. This doesn't slow transmission. The director of CDC admitted this on CNN Friday. The COVID vaccines are not vaccines. They are not immunizers. They are therapeutics like a flu vaccine. If they could at least develop an effective immunizer. See, the problem we're having right now Ask Napoleon, it's hard to win a two-front war, okay? We have to fight them on both the bodily autonomy standpoint and on the efficacy standpoint. That makes it hard because we're constantly being challenged in both directions. You have to refute false narratives that are simultaneously coming from different directions the whole time. At least if we could get something efficacious, safe and relatively safe and efficacious, then we could just have the bodily autonomy argument. And I think it would actually be easier to win because more people would be willing to voluntarily do it. See what I'm saying? Yeah. The problem we have right now is we're having to have both of these arguments simultaneously. People don't trust the process. And then efficaciously, these things are disappointing us in real time. If we could at least get a product where the juice was worth the squeeze... Then we could just zero in on the bodily autonomy argument. But right now, we don't have either one of those, really. Because most people, when they hear vaccine, think immunization, not therapeutic. They think, when I get the flu vaccine, I'm not going to get the flu. So one way out of this would be a truly remarkable product. Because here's what, here's what this means when they're telling you that this isn't an immunization, that it doesn't stop transmission. What it means is these vaccines 
aren't a traditional vaccine program in that they help us get to herd immunity. If they do not, if they do not offer a buffer against transmission, then they don't create a herd. They don't help along with natural immunity to create a herd immunity against COVID. See, it'd be a much more powerful. That's why there's no point ever in mandating a therapeutic. Now, if we're talking about a seriously devastating disease and you have an immunization, that's a that's a that's a different level of argument, at least from my perspective. Because we are into a herd immunity argument. These things don't stop transmission at all. So we're, this isn't going to help herd immunity at all. So now we're getting we have the worst of both worlds here, the worst of both worlds. We have risks diminishing efficacy with threats against our autonomy and liberty at the same time. At least give us an effective product. And then we could just have the bodily autonomy argument, but in an environment where there's not half the country so hesitant about taking this. That's one way. The second way, which I prefer... Because it puts our fate in our hands. You and I cannot control the efficaciousness of Novavax or any future vaccination attempts they may garner. We, we cannot control that. So the first one is out of our control. The second one is in our control. And what, Todd, you described happened in Portland over the weekend in response to Antifa and their threats. That needs to happen all over the country and constantly. That we can control. We can control that. We will fling our sabots into the machines. We will resist as Rand Paul called us to at the top of the show. We will refuse to comply. We will practice civil disobedience. And we'll change the calculus. It is more painful for you to impose this tyranny on us now than it is for us to obey it. Do your worst. We dare you. But it's going to require a level of resolve we just have not been called upon. You know, for our generation, we had 9-11 and our leaders told us, hey, we got this. We'll just call up some National Guard, won't even need a draft, and you know, go on with the rest of your life and don't let the terrorist win. Enjoy American excess. Right? That was we had a galvanizing moment attempt post 9-11, and our political system just decided to punt on that, as I recall, right? Right. And so this is it. This needs to be it. And it's the only way out of this within our control because there is a third way out of this. And this is now where things get out of control. So the first way is not within our control. We don't work at these cutting-edge pharmaceutical companies. We can't control any of that, right? right? The second way, mass resistance. Mass refusal to comply. That we do control. Here's what will happen if we don't do that. Things will get out of control. If, if we won't put up principled mass 
peaceable resistance. At some point, a minority will reach a breaking point that they will not tolerate any longer. And I think you know where I'm going with this. There has never ever in the history of humanity been a peaceful handover, an entirely peaceful handover of liberty and assets from one class to another, from one country to another, and there never will be. And it's things like the Obamas having a maskless party, jamming on stage, but then you're told by the media afterwards, it's a sophisticated, he literally said this, a sophisticated crowd who were vaccinated and they know better than you. That is the stuff, brother. I mean, normally they attempt to disarm the people before they create the whole us and them mentality. You're the other. You don't normally do that until you've disarmed the folks you want to do that to. In this case, they're just going to do it. See, they're not going to stop. The spirit of the age isn't going to stop. It's not. Mexico didn't just give Texas away. They weren't just really impressed with the resolve at the Alamo and said, you know what? Ah, damn. You guys can have this massive landmass. Good job out of you guys. Really impressed with your courage of conviction there. Well done. Nope. King George wasn't like, yeah, that's a really eloquent document y'all have there. I hadn't really thought these things through. Appreciate your perspective. And you're right. Nope. No. Nope. I would greatly prefer it not come to that. But barring a Salkian level event, which is what I laid out in scenario one, or an unprecedented level of mass resistance in our country. Eventually, some group of people will get pushed to the breaking point that they will break back. And then that's when things get out of control. And this is still the best place for our children and grandchildren to live on earth. And so those are the only three ways out of this that I see because of the catch-22 that we are in. Gentlemen, I'll give you guys the final words here. The second option, the one you prefer, is also the, the tragedy of all this. It's the easiest by far. You just... Just 30 parents at a, at, the, at a large school all show up yeah. on a school day with no masks on your kids and then just keep, just suspend them, expel them all. They're not going to do that. Yeah. That's the tragedy. 50 nurses are going to quit at a hospital. They're not going to fire you all. They're not going to do that. They can't replace you. But we have to put up some risk here in the calculation. Some. Some risk. None of this is going to go on without any risk, I guess is my point. I'm sorry, I interrupted yeah, you, Todd. I, I apologize. Well, I obviously struck the right chord. It is, it's by far the easiest, but you, so you guys have put this on autopilot for so long. You think somehow you deserve to be Americans. No, you don't. You, you don't deserve any of it. None of us do. No generation did. 
It's the lottery of almost all human existence. And therefore, you should be on your knees morning, noon, and night in a sense of gratitude and therefore duty to make sure that lottery ticket gets passed on to the next generation. But but you don't. It's just so obviously the one plus one that equals two of this that this could be done in the next 48 hours if we wanted to. That's what's so damn sad about it to me. Get up and do something. It's it's akin to King Theoden in Lord of the Rings. For whatever reason, seduced and paralyzed and enchanted by Grima Wormtongue. I'm sorry, I'm probably mispronouncing his first name. For whatever reason. Until, finally, mercifully, he is awoken by Gandalf. I don't know who that Gandalf is going to be. Um, I don't know. I don't know who that is, but there are certain segments of this country of what's left of America that, that, that really do need that reawakening. When that happens, when that happens, the, the rallying will be swift or can be swift, but we're just waiting for that to happen. We don't have a heck of a lot more time. We really don't. I was telling you guys off the air the other day. Five years ago, it's just me. A couple years ago, it's just me and Bella. Now, any day now, I'm going to have a kid of my own. This is pretty, pretty dang scary. So I I hope that everybody, and I know everyone who has kids, feels the same way as well. It's up to you. It's up to us. It never hasn't been, and it always will be. Thank you for letting me empty the tank. John 317. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.